here we are. We are, we are in fact live. Dave, how, how are you doing? Are we, are we live? Is this, is this the show? I think this is the show after all those technical difficulties. Yes. Oh my God. It's exciting to hear you again. Like I haven't spoken to you in a while. It feels like a while, doesn't it? I, I, it's only, I think it is only our usual two weeks, but uh, a lot has happened, I guess. It has, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, things are going okay for me. Um, yeah, I've been, what have I been doing? Actually, yeah, thinking about it, I've been falling further and further into the Fediverse and Mastodon again. Oh, how's that going for you? Um, well, I'm at the stage where I'm thinking about building a client. So, so there you go. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, like a normal, um, like a, I don't know, tweetbot like client or, or something different. Something a bit different. Um, so to back it up a bit, just to set the scene and explain what I'm thinking about. Um, so this is to do with Mastodon and the Fediverse, which is, the kind of Twitter alternative for some people. It's a uh, a type of social media, but it's underpinned by open source backings, right? And um, an entirely open platform about how separate servers with separate instances of users can communicate with each other across mm-hmm. those servers. Um. So you can belong to one of these instances, you can chat away with people on there, and then you can follow and do the same thing with people on any other instance. Right, right. It's kind of the broad overview of how it works. Uh, because it's entirely open, anybody can make any type of client that they like, which is cool. <laughs> um, and so what I'm thinking about is I'm thinking about making a photo and video specific client that's kind of where my head's been at so a bit like i guess a bit like instagram or or how instagram was is sort of my Uh thought process but isn't um i mean that might be a stupid question but doesn't such a thing already exist like pixel pixel fed pixel fed exists but it doesn't have a specific client it's web-based at the moment, I believe. Oh, yeah, okay, I get that. So you want to do the phone phone part, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, because in theory, um, you, I can have a client, you connect it up to your account, and then there's nothing stopping me from just filtering all the data that comes through for only the stuff with photos and videos, um, and then presenting that in a, in a nice fashion. That sounds like a great idea. Thank you. Um, we we shall see. It also sounds like a bit of a a nerd snipe, or however you want to describe it. Right? I'm aware <laughs> that this is a bit of a, a potential rabbit hole. Um, and and the other thing that I need to also um, do is make sure that I release my my little video to audio utility um, right. because that's still kind of sitting on the bench waiting to go. So that that needs to happen before I can get into anything else, really. Um, so, but that's that's pretty close to release, right? Like it it oh, yeah. sounded yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I to be honest, there's not a lot holding me up now, other than setting up the landing page and writing up the uh, the detail for App Store Connect. So, right, 
always yeah. always For, the little details and stuff like that yeah yeah exactly but that's fine that that shouldn't actually take too long so i need to kind of just start doing that this weekend i think um right and and the the video and picture client for the fediverse like how would that how would that work like um so you, you imagine something like Instagram and then you po can post images maybe and like look at the pictures that other people have taken and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, does that, you know, like uh, I assume that you would just not show people that you for, uh, or posts with no images. That would be my plan. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You can use any other client for, for the rest of your feed. This would just be very, very specific to media. Uh huh, and then you could probably like show comments or something, or oh, replies yeah. as comments or something like that. Exactly that, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm sort of thinking. Um, but mainly the thing I was having is like the clients are all that are out there are all essentially sort of Twitter clones or, or in that mm. sort of vein. Um, so this has occurred to me as an idea of something I would like because I, I like posting media every so often to my account. Uh. And I sort of felt like um, the right client could kind of be quite nice. You know, I can browse, I can um, potentially just sort of scroll through and literally just be presented with, with pictures people have posted and um, essentially have some of what I used to get out of Instagram but don't these days. I mean, there's a reason I, I closed my account with Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it it a, does sound a, lovely. I think it could be, and I think if I do this, it will be a attempt on my part to try and create an app that, that's got something going on in terms of aesthetic, uh, because mm -hmm. if you look at the apps I've got, well, uh, the Vita, the video to audio, has a little bit of a, a an attempt to, to have a graceful UI in a couple mm -hmm. of places, uh, but then go VJ, its UI is entirely built around like live performance and optimizing for on-stage environments. So it assumes you're going to be in the dark for a start. So it's a, a dark mode interface. Um, Which, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but there's no real focus on transitions or, you know, beautiful flowing scrolling between stuff or um, any of the things that I think I would want in, in a nice sort of photo feed app. So yeah, I get that. Yeah, it it might stretch me a little bit in those those regards as well. So it's sort of appealing. You can tell this is a bit of a nerd snipe, like I said before. Um, but part <laughs> of the attraction is the idea that I can play with this environment, and then I can play with, um, like I say, the making a more uh, aesthetically beautiful app would be the goal. Oh, but but that would be so nice. Like just like. One of those apps where you really put a lot, a lot of work into just how it looks and how it behaves and how the mm -hmm. transitions are and everything. Like, I can totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously to do that in stages and increments and anything else, like I would approach any other projects as well. So, you know, it, it would hone those things in rather than trying to go for it out the gate, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it's all very embryonic at the moment and it's, it's kind of, as we talk, we're sort of in that first week after uh, 
him who shall not be named uh, taking over Twitter or however you want to oh, yeah. put that. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely feeling a bit some kind of way about that, actually. So I have to bear in mind I'm, I'm perhaps reacting a little bit at the moment. Um, yeah, it's weird. Like, it's it's kind of like it's kind of making me want to leave Twitter a little bit or make Twitter a less important part of my uh, of my daily life. You know, like just how, how yeah. I interact with people and where I find the people that I that I talk to that I just like, regardless if it's about like programming or just like shooting the shit or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, it makes Twitter less attractive for me, but at the same time, I'm realizing more and more over the last few weeks that like the Fediverse, especially Mastodon and especially the community that I am interacting with is, is not giving me what I need. Um, we can okay. go into, into more detail, detail about it later, but like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm jaded with that as well. So I'm kind of looking for where's that place for me. And it might just be the, the waiting for review slack or something like that. Like I have, I have, I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time there recently, but yeah, I'm feeling like maybe, maybe I need to go back there. That's, that's interesting. Cause yeah, it's left me feeling similar. Actually, in a sense, so okay, I've I've found community in Mastodon. I'm not feeling jaded with that, but it is mm-hmm. different to what I was getting from Twitter. To be fair, um, which I, I think is perfectly reasonable. It's a different platform. Not everybody's going to just jump over from one to the other, and and even then, the interactions are different to to the interactions on Twitter as well. Right. Um, that is giving me something, but it's something slightly new with also a hint of something slightly old. Um, but then, yeah, you're right. In terms of uh, communicating with other devs and, you know, shooting the general shit about um, Apple iOS and that sort of stuff, I feel like Twitter is probably going to be less of a place I want to be. Yeah. Um, I also feel like I'm going to get less of that interaction on Mastodon as well. So that puts that in its own sort of place. And then, yeah, you're right. Focusing on things like the waiting for review slack and you know, other slacks and discords. I've heard they exist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm, I'm sort of feeling very similar and it's, it's a shame because at the moment in a lot of ways, nothing has really changed with my Twitter feed. You know, everybody is still kind of there, but there sort of feels like everybody is also, um, Bracing for changes and yeah, anticipating something is, those something changes is coming. Might, yeah, exactly. And anticipating those changes might not be great, right? I think that sort of feels like the general the general vibe I'm getting. Um, mm. And you know, people listening to this show, some people might be like, "No, it's brilliant. He's bought it. It's it's going to be you know better for all these reasons." And you know, if somebody truly believes that, I hope they're right. But I feel like. It's feeling like a bit of a hostile takeover to me. Oh, it, it um, definitely feels like that, especially since he yes. he just fired half of the of the leadership team and is threatening yeah. to fire most of the developers or like a certain significant yep. part of the developers, something like that. And I'm like, what the? What is going on? Yep. Like how how does he expect to get anything done? Yeah. Like, I th- I feel like I feel like we are we are about to experience a very public um instance of that pattern where someone thinks they know it better yep. use the na- naive approach and then 
very strongly fall on their face and then kind of build up to the system that was already there, but through yes. like a series of errors because um, they don't want to like make uh, like they didn't want to see what the other errors were that the other people already made, so they have to make their own errors. And yeah, yep, it, it does. It feels like a very a very public mistake playing out i think is, is right and all that on the back of minorities uh like and other people who are like misrepresented already or face like harassment and stuff like that um yep. they're gonna be they're gonna be the ones that that this is like that, that are hit the most by this and that i'm really yes that's really shitty it is it really is and i think that's the bit of me that feels um quite sad actually about what what's going on because I found community with 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 people who are, you know, not normally represented or whatever, and I found that to be awesome. Um, and it's actually enlightened me a lot, and and you know, let me learn about people who are different to me. Over the time I've had Twitter, that's probably been one of the biggest things it's given me back over the years. Uh, and so, to understand that it's going to become a platform that may be actively hostile to a lot of those people that that upsets me quite a lot um it it may not play out that way we're still in this sort of early days right but it it, um if you are writing this as a story or for as a film um yeah i'm not sure it's a a hero's journey i think this is (laughs) (laughs) you know um and it feel watching watching it play out at the moment, certainly in these early days where it's like lurching from mass firings of staff through to oh well we'll charge eight dollars a a month for X Y Z oh no it'll be twenty dollars for X Y Z. <laughs> um, it feels like um, as much as I dislike the guy, you know, I also feel a little bit sorry for him because it also feels like you're you're watching Wiley e. Coyote walk out off the edge of the cliff. <laughs> He's not quite realised the ground yeah. isn't there yet. Yeah, you know? pretty much. <laughs> it would be like I I see the comedy in all all of this, but it's still kind of sad, you know. Like Twitter has yeah. been the social network for me um, for most of my adult life. Like I made my account about yep. fourteen, fifteen years ago at university. Yes, and I haven't like. I, I, it's 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 been the social network I, I've been on the most. Like I've I've been through App.net, I've been mm-hmm. through Tumblr. Um, I never really had um, well the older social media networks or something like that. But I did I did have a okay. Facebook. I deleted deleted that. I have an I have an Instagram, but I rarely rarely use it. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and maybe the the era of Twitter is over, and people will either find the next thing to conglomerate on. And I'm pretty yep. sure it won't be Mastodon because Mastodon by design or the Fediverse is by design federated. And while that gives it some unique advantages, it also gives us some unique disadvantages, namely that yes. it can never be the thing that where people meet because it's not a thing, you know? Um, yes. So yeah, maybe yeah. people will just like disperse a little bit more and have like um, some people will be on certain Discord channels, some people will be in certain Slack channels, some people will be in the Fediverse, and so on. And maybe something yeah. else will emerge at some point when 
the when the all the social networks stop like stop trying to copy each other you know like oh yeah let's just all make stories now oh let's oh, just don't. all make short uh short videos now yeah we'll call them real like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, been... we call them shorts ah okay okay Sh- we're the, gonna call them on youtube yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and like they all they are copying tiktok and then tiktok recently yeah. introduced stories which are just regular tiktoks <laughs> but they're slightly differently tagged i don't know yeah <laughs> okay oh but this is like going into the weeds probably so yeah i mean where are we going to go is tiktok going to introduce um 180 character text posting soon of course you know. actually like i am i am a like consumer of tiktoks like i'm not really posting mm-hmm. there much but i do have the app and i look and look at it every now and then and um i feel like there's a lot of like original content there but yeah at least every let's say third tiktok that i see is either a screenshot of a tweet and then someone <laughs> basically explaining the tweet to you or like just oh, reading no. the tweet okay. to you Yes. Um, which you oftentimes it's a very funny joke or a, like a very good observation or something like that. But um, it's just, uh, uh, or, uh, but hey, hang on, let me finish my sentence on my thought first. Um, okay. So either, either it's that like uh, someone just reading a tweet or it's an idea that is very obviously from Twitter. Like I will, see, I would see on yeah. Monday a story or a thought that is being passed around on Twitter. And then by Wednesday or Thursday, People have like people on on TikTok have they have found it and they are presenting the same idea as theirs. Um, yes, and it it, it feels like it, it, or it sounds like I'm arrogant right now, but like in the instances that I've seen this, it was very very clear that the idea originated on Twitter. I'm not saying that all ideas originate on Twitter, but these ideas that I've seen in this these contexts, they did originate from Twitter. So I feel like yeah, even if if TikTok doesn't add. 120 character posts like it's already influenced by twitter and um as are other social networks of course yes um facebook yeah, I mean, cons- it- consists a lot of like twitter's screen caps as well mastodon doesn't want to be twitter uh, like at yes least from in my, in my feed everyone like every other post is this is not twitter this is not twitter um yes so yeah <laughs> there's a there's a lot of that going on at the moment and it it, it- I mean, you know, people are entitled to their opinions and I understand why people are so opinionated about Mastodon is not Twitter. Um, But it also, it kind of feels like watching a rebellious teenager play out, right? It's it's sort of like, (laughs) I'm nothing like you, Dad. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think that will settle down over time. Um, Oh, pretty sure. Pretty sure. Also, like a lot of people are very idealistic right now about Mastodon. And yeah, yeah. myself um, included. It saddens to me to say that some of these, um, some of the the thoughts of these people will be, or the hopes of these people will be disappointed. Like for example, yeah. the other day I saw a post that was like, "No, this is not Twitter." So because this is not Twitter, there will be no harassment and there will be no basically no negative posts. And I'm like, "That's that's uh, that's not going to happen." Absolute and impossibility. Yeah. The the fact that this person and uh, was was thinking that way, like, I hope they weren't a server admin because they would like walk straight into that. <laughs> yeah, they would. Yeah, they're like I, tiny Elon Musk, basically. I think that <laughs> I think what we I mean we will see some sort of um, probably some sort of hardening up 
of the environment over time in that way. Like mm. I can see, um, you know, automated block lists or, or um, in, in the Fediverse, they call it defederation as well, right? Where an entire instance gets blocked by your instance, and then you just never see any of the traffic from that place at all. Right. Um, I, th- I think we'll see more of that getting kind of automated and, Probably as that happens, you'll see a bit of centralization in terms of the the sort of sources of truth for that. Mm. Um, And that will be good and bad if that happens, right? If you're on the block list, you're suddenly excluded from a whole bunch of places. Mm. Um, There may or may not be good reasons for you entering entering that situation. You may Uh, just never be able to find out the reason. Yeah, there's all of that as well. So I can see... I can see all of these sort of growing pains ahead. And and actually somebody kind of went off at me on on Twitter the other day about um, how one of the problems with it all is that there is no way to certify that somebody is who they say they are. So the the, the ability within that environment to have um, fake identities and people um, impersonating Mm. people is quite high. Uh, Yeah, that's a potential problem. It is, but it's also a potential problem on every other platform. And, um, you know, there are ways that, that people can kind of assert, no, this is, this is me. <laughs> um, and again, some of that at the moment feels easy to me because it's at a small scale. Yeah. So, so somebody comes into this small environment and starts pretending to be me, for example, it's, it's quite easy for me to, put a post up on my website to tell everybody in my network from my self-hosted instance that has my own domain, this is me. Mm. Um, and I think I would get the reaction that I'd expect, which is a lot of my, my followers and people would shun the pretend David Gary would, you know? Um, but that, <laughs> th- th- again, there's a benefit there of it being very embryonic and, and very early days, right? It'd be very easy for me to bounce that off. Um, but perhaps less easy if all of a sudden I was targeted by, you know, one of these groups that has hundreds of people trying to troll and shitpost and wind up and, you know, um, essentially, uh, yeah, I feel like the network as a whole is yet to see the sort of like massive pylons that Twitter has. Um, I may be wrong. Somebody might be able to, to, who knows more history about Mastodon than I do might have some sort of instance where this has happened. Um, I mean, there's Gab. Have you heard about Gab? No. Oh, okay. Um, So Gab is um, a few years ago, I think. I I forgot forgot the exact year, but like basically the alt-right wanted their own social network. So they they collected a lot of money from their members and uh, built Gab. And okay. it was basically a Mastodon clone in that it would actually, like it was actually a fork, an unofficial fork of Mastodon that they had mm-hmm. patched in various ways. Uh, they they did introduce a few uh, security <laughs> security issues. Um, <laughs> okay. That was kind of, kind of funny um, dur- during that time. And um, yeah, they ran that thing. But of course, it was like it was all based on the Fediverse protocols and everything, but of course yeah. every other instance would just block them, and it was yes. like they, they 
they could all just talk among themselves and the experiment kind of failed. <laughs> oh, that that sounds like depending on where you are at, to me that sounds like a success of the the system in a sense. Oh yeah, that, that's, this, that, that definitely is a, is a success, I, I'd say. Yeah. Um, anyway, I kind of want to move on from, from the Fattyverse stuff because it's not our uh-huh. usual chatter. Um, right. But um, I think it's fair to say all of this stuff is sort of impacting everybody at the moment with the sort of changes that Twitter's going through. It's impacting an awful lot of people online, um, especially within our communities, right, within the, the developer communities. Mm. Um, not least of which because Twitter had 7,000 staff, they're going to have considerably less soon, and there's a lot of people going through, you know, redundancy and, and those sort of pains, right? Um, so I, I I guess with all of this, my take is that I kind of hope things settle out for the positive, you know, over the next 6 to 12 months in one way or another, because there's a lot of positives that Twitter has have had in my life. Um, and I'm finding bits of them in Mastodon, not all of them, you know, and I will, I guess, I hope I find sort of similar bits of community elsewhere or that, you know, Twitter ends up in a place where I can kind of tolerate the fact somebody I dislike owns it, but I'm still getting some value back for participating. I don't know which one of these is going to be sort of the way it goes yet. Um but uh, whatever it is, it's going to be different, I guess, over the right. next the next few months to a year. Um, yeah. But um, do you want to tell me more about that um, that app idea that you have? I mean, I mean, is that right now just a tiny idea in your head, or do you have code, um, or how is that? I have that, no code. Like, where what's going that? on for? Yeah. Okay. So what's going on for me at the moment is that the first protocol for anything like this is. Well, okay, how's it going to connect and get the data? Yep. Um, for any client, for Mastodon, Fediverse, it's got to do that bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me, well, I'm not the only one who's thinking about making some sort of client at the moment. And maybe the, the data part and the authorization part could be a library, right? Maybe that first bit could be actually a community project. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, This is perfect for open source, I'd say. Yes, yes. And so I'm actually in the early stages of of, um, figuring this out with somebody. Um, Shout out to Constantin if he's listening. Um, Yeah, we're having a bit of a a chat, bit of a going over what we could do. Um, But the end result will be a, a Swift package that anybody could download and use as the base for their their clients for Mastodon or, or Fediverse at large. Um, so that's actually taking up a bit of my headspace at the moment is sort of thinking about, well, okay, if we do that, then uh, you know, what license does it have? Because uh, that's actually a big deal. Um, and then the extent of obviously how do we architect a, client, a, a base that any client will um, be able to use. So we kind of yeah, but I think it's an amazing idea. Um, what you also should really um, have a long and hard think about is like, how do you gonna, how are you gonna name the thing? <laughs> yes, yeah, we've 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 landed on a bit of a working name. Um, so that 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 is uh, Toot SDK. Oh, I um, love it. 
Yeah, it kind of works. It's short. I like that. Um, I feel like anything too long, um, you know, just sort of blokes, comments and pages and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's early days, but that will be the base for the client I'm thinking about. And so at the moment, the client is sort of embryonic in my head. Um, and I've had the idea for this sort of photo feed, video feed thing since probably April time when we mm-hmm. were first talking about all of this before. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah. So I, I keep noting down, you know, making notes, scribbling down the old screen idea or whatever. Um, so it's all very loose at the moment, but we'll see. You know, maybe I'll lose interest completely. That's the other thing that could happen. Um, but it's nagged me since April, which usually means something's got to happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is that is really cool and i hope that if you if you if you and constantine who is also a friend of mine so mm-hmm. if you hear if, if you listen if you're listening constantine hi um if you <laughs> have managed managed to 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 actually make that i think this would be a huge boon to just lo- so many developer communities um yeah and it will just like enable like more cool apps which is just a, an amazing thing yeah, yeah, and the other thing is, is that we're we're trying to build it to be um, platform agnostic to some degree. So it'll be a Swift library, a Swift package, but you should also be able to load it under Vapor in under Linux, um, and that might give it some other properties as well. So, I mean, the one thing I'm thinking of here is that I could potentially create a bot using this, right, mm. and have have everything set up so that my my um swift based bot has imported this library um uh, we'd have to do some other things to handle the authorization um but then <laughs> and we're back at my favorite uh, topic about swift which is vapor because you yeah, turn yeah, that yeah, bot, yeah. bot on a server i assume well the, exactly this might be a nice segue to to talk a bit about what you've been doing with telemetry deck lately but um yeah conceptually this library could support some other stuff beyond sort of iOS or Mac OS as well. Uh, and that's, that's curious to me. I quite like the idea of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so Swift on server, jumping over into your telemetry deck <laughs> world. <laughs> perfect, perfect segue, but I haven't done any Swift programming over the last weeks. <laughs> um, I have, I have done uh, a little bit of JavaScript work just on the, on the front end, on the, on the user interface. Um, but most of my time right now is being spent in server land and in, especially in Kubernetes land. Okay. Um, because, uh, like I told you this before, I think, but we have this, this sponsorship from Microsoft. That means we have a lot of, um, Azure credits. Yep. As in, like, we get like thousands of US dollars worth of Azure. Just we can use that, yeah, which is amazing and cool. So I want to host everything on Azure, and um, it's been a slow process because I have like basically I, I wanted to I wanted to put everything on Kubernetes before it yeah. all ran on individual servers, and that was kind of uh, that was kind of good, but also a hassle because. Um, you, it's it's less easy to just automatically scale, and yes. um, so and, and I, I also didn't want to be 
very closely tied to uh, Azure. So I, fe I felt like if I put like some intermediate layer in between, then I can, like if I want to move hosters again, I can, I can go somewhere else. That Because everyone, yes. I, I can run Kubernetes everywhere, right? Um, so it's been both the journey of actually moving stuff over there, but also learning Kubernetes and also learning how everything works. And like, I'm still a beginner, but I'm feeling like more proficient now. And that's pretty cool. That's and good. so the, um, the, the hosting for the website and the hosting for the web dashboard as well, those are actually like completely moved to uh, Azure already. Like, and almost nobody noticed. Um, <laughs> also DNS hosting is all, already at Azure, but most of the servers that run the, like the public, um, um, production version of the API and the, the databases and stuff like that. Those are still at the old, old hoster, but I'm now uh, at a point where I have the whole infrastructure set up on Kubernetes and, Yay. um, I have it set up now in a way that, uh, it will automatically scale. Like if one of the, the pods, like thinks it needs more CPU or memory, it will just like automatically spawn more of, more of itself. And then also if the actual virtual machines on, on, on which the thing runs think like, oh, we're getting a bit full, they will sk uh, also spawn more. And so what I did, okay. um, what I did, I think on Friday last week is I took the whole, um, the whole like, database export thingy like basically what we do is like whenever a signal arrives at telemetry deck we store it into in our time series database or actually we put yep. it into the the event queue that when it will eventually arrive at the time series database but i also write it to disk and then sync it to just one of those disk space um servers um right because if something happens to the data if something goes wrong um the it's very likely that at least this part will still still work because um, even if like the the network inside the hoster is somehow broken or so, like the 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 API server, the ingestion server will just write it to disk and then sync it at some some later point in time. Um, yeah. So I have I have this just collection of JSON files basically that is even if I compress them is like one point four uh, terabytes of data. <laughs> so oh, I wow. moved that over. Uh, I moved that over to Azure. Um, yep. and then I was like, okay, let, let's just like dump parts of this into the new infrastructure and see it percolate through the system, like see where things are going wrong, you know? And it turns out, um, like things weren't working properly. And at first, like I had a huge problem because the, our time series database had a problem with Kubernetes. I managed to fix that with uh, lots of help from various forums and also just like lots of reading and like patching things <laughs> and playing around with configuration. And the problem is like these things take always take time, you know, like if, if you write yeah. an app, you change the line of code, you press command R and then you see it, you see it like running immediately. Whereas if you change like Kubernetes configuration or whatever, you have to wait for the old pods to terminate. And then the new pods have to like, like, like um, go up again and whatever. Um, yeah. But I finally managed to get it to work. And then I, th I th threw in like parts of the data so again and, um, it would, it would throw errors. <laughs> <laughs> so yesterday and today, um, I have been going through the data. Basically, I, I, um, 
I, I cut it up by month and by ingestion servers. We, we used to have like three distinct ingestion servers, or we actually still do. They're just very creatively named ingest one, ingest two, ingest three. And then they all yep. store their files in like folders that are year slash month slash day slash hour dot JSON. And so I would take. I would always take, I would take like a, f a full month of one of the servers and throw it at the, at the new ingestion and see which, like where an er error occurs. And I, yep. like, yeah, I spent the last 48 hours with this. It's, it's, it was pretty mind numbing, but I found out, uh, around 17, 18 malformed entries in there. Um, right. Okay. So kind of, I, I went down and down and down, and and then I could I could just like see in the logs, uh, like what was the exact malformation, and then I just had to search through the files and find that, and just just um no, I, I didn't even fix it. Like like I, I just deleted those seventeen lines of lines of JSON. I hope I hope the people whose app this was um will forgive me. Um. So yeah, and now. I have actually just two hours ago or so I have um I I have just like pointed the thing at the full cold storage database and said like, okay ingest ingest all of it because yep. now I want to see whether it all works and it it actually seems to work like it is consuming um right now about 120 CPU cores and 558 <laughs> gigabytes of RAM Oh, um, what? <laughs> and it has scaled itself to I was around 20 machines or so. That's kind of crazy. Nodes. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's working and like it's working through the data. It's organizing them. I can, I can run queries on queries already on the data that's already ha has arrived. Um, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping no other errors will happen. This, because if I like, of course, ingesting the whole database takes a huge amount of time. Yes. So, uh, if I get up tomorrow, I hope I wake up to just like a big green check mark and not, not something like, Oh yeah, it didn't work. So you have to delete everything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what I've been working on. It's, it's, it's been exciting and at the same time, incredibly boring. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And like just yesterday, I felt like I need to do something different. I'm just staring at this, uh, these progress bars, waiting for them to, to throw an error. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I actually like pulled out the, um, the front, the front end code and improve, like, and pulled up an, an old pull request that wasn't really working, cleaned that up. And so now I have like uh, a tiny new feature, which is just like an improved design for the uh, dashboard. So when you when you go to like the telemetry deck dashboard and open it for, for open the the front page for your app, you will now see a slightly better design, and you you will also see some explanation like how these automatic charts are generated. And there's also a few more a few more pieces of data. I think there's like how many uh, users you have you've had you've had this month and in the actual current hour. Yeah, and um, yeah, it just like looks a bit nicer. So Wait. finally, some something that I could actually could work on and, and release. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a a funny dynamic, right? You're getting stuff done on the on the back end, but like you said before, it's sort of moments have been quite interesting or exciting, and then simultaneously quite boring. 
right? <laughs> As you watch the Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and I've had this, I have this, um, this thought that one thing in which I'm very lucky is that I used to be, I used to get bored at various jobs because it was always the same kind of work. Yes. And now if I get bored with, with some kind of work, then I, like, for example, if I get bored with the server admin stuff, um, then I can move to like writing some JavaScript. If I get bored with JavaScript, with also, which also very, happens very quickly, I can go back and write some Swift or a, a potent, potential customer actually wrote to me and asked like, Hey, how does the, the telemetry deck SDK work with Objective C? And, Ooh. um, I think it should work because we've had a few pull requests that actually introduced some header files. But yep. um, to be quite honest, I've never really tried it out. So um, yeah, that's also my to-do list, just trying out how that works. So that can answer this this person. Um, I mean, it should just work. It should just be like importable and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. Um, this this person also noted that hey, you like there's nothing in the in the documentation about Objective C, and yeah, they're they're absolutely correct. I probably need to write some some about this then as well. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, Objective C feels like a bit of an edge case these days in some ways, but there are code think, bases that are. Yeah, this person has an app, has an app that's just has, has grown over like years, I guess, and they have a very large customer base, and they want to just work on their app. And yeah, like this is the ideal customer for me, and they like <laughs> so. <laughs> so of course they'd have. Um, They'd have some objective C in there, and uh, I like that. We should be able to deal with that. Yes, yes, and that's the thing. It's not to, to you know, look down on Objective C or anything like that. It's just that, um, yeah, I, I think if you were building out this support to begin with, it might have been a waste of your time. But you're now reaching mm-hmm. that point of scale where it is actually probably a good idea to just make sure at least the interoperability is there even if you're not right. tailoring anything for, for Objective-C. Um, that, that's cool, though, that you're able to sort of move between all these different environments and kind of keep your your interest as you go. Uh, because you're right, when you're working on just one thing, it can be very, very um, boring after a point, right? Yeah. It just becomes uh, you're crunching through what you're doing rather than necessarily really engaging with it in the same way as when things are new. Um so I think that's that's a very cool side of the the balance of what you've got. It is. I mean, on the other hand, you always feel like, or I always feel like, um, I'm doing not enough for this specific part of the of my business, basically. But yeah. I mean, I have to learn to deal with it <laughs> because <laughs> I am just one person, and um, yep, yeah, I can't do sixty-hour work weeks all the time. It's not healthy. You can't. That, it's not healthy, and it probably doesn't lead to better outcomes of code after a point as well. Yeah, fair. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting to me that you're playing with, with Kubernetes and getting all of that up and running because, for me, that sort of side of, of, um, of development, it, it's kind of like it's got a big sign next to it that says, here, here be dragons, Right, it's sort of the, ed- it's oh, the edge definitely. of the map. 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like I have lots of lots of experience with like writing server software and deploying them in various configurations. So Docker was not was not new to me, and I've worked a lot with Docker Swarm, and so yeah. a lot of the concepts weren't weren't like super alien to me. But still, um, it's been like a lot because just like Kubernetes has like a huge amount of concepts that you need to grasp. Like it's not like it's not hard hard. It's not rocket science. It's just that you need to know what these 17 to 40 spe special words mean. Otherwise, you can't understand the language. And then you need to know how Kubernetes people think so that you can actually interact with the software. <laughs> and uh, luckily, yeah. I have a few people um, who are friends or coworkers or uh, former coworkers uh, who, can, who I can ask. Like the other day, I actually did post on Twitter and Mastodon. Uh, yep. asking for help and like a few very helpful discussions came out um someone like i actually like um had a quick uh, zoom call with uh, daniel franke from uh, from berlin and he oh, cool. he actually he's he wasn't he's he was super nice and uh, like basically <laughs> it was a problem where i couldn't get um ssl certificates to work properly and yep. had I had bashed like my head and in, in at this for two days before I decided, okay, I'm gonna ask the internet now. And then he's like, okay, can you paste or can you show me your configuration file? And I'm like, okay, here's my configuration file. And he's like, um, in line 17, change the thing from this to this, and then then it just <laughs> works. <laughs> yeah. So it's always good yep. to have these kinds of people around you. Definitely. Definitely, and that's that's. Um, I mean, that's experience, right? That that is right. uh, it being being that person's field. That's that's cool, though, that you got that help. Um, yeah, I, I, I hats off to you, Daniel. I, that's a lot of different disciplines to be playing in, um, and and being productive in as well. And I mean, as a telemetry deck customer user. I, I, I say customer loosely. You put me on a uh, on a um, friends plan to begin with, right? Um, I should be paying you more money. Paying you money. It's um, it's, it's called friends with uh, analytical benefits. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but you know, I've got a, I've got a, a vested interest in telemetry deck success, right? Because I'm I'm getting a lot out of it for my apps as well. Um, well, it's good to hear. Yeah, good to know that it's going to be able to flex and scale with with whatever you throw at it now. Yeah, let's let's hope so. Like, um, if we get more and more customers, like this feels like the next the next piece of evolution. Now, um, actually, I recently prepared a talk that I never held because I got uh, uh, I got COVID and then uh, missed that conference. Um, yeah, but that talk was about like the different stages we had in our um in our way towards like getting bigger so like what what were the problems we encountered when scaling basically so at first i was like oh everything is in the in the normal postgres database and that just works and then after a while i was like oh wait the postgres database doesn't like really scale indefinitely yes and, um so we had like various mitigations but then at the end it was just like we, we need we, we need to have a, a different type of database and then it was like, okay, like this works now, but 
um, we need to be able to actually distribute the API as well. So that needs to be behind a load balancer. Um, yeah. And how do we do that? And how do we deal with uh, event queues? Like um, at, the, at the beginning, we had like, I think, RabbitMQ or something, but that doesn't work anymore than with Redis. Um, yeah. But that, like, but now I'm at, I'm, I'm at Apache Kafka, for example. And while I was doing this work, I was like, I, I felt like, hey, this, it feels like, um, it feels like this is actually the next evolution, like just being able to, um, to, to not have, not think about individual servers anymore, but kind of like smearing it over a series of virtual machines. Yeah. And, this is kind of new for me. I've always been a purist in regards to like hosting my stuff. And I always want to be as close to the bare metal as possible. Yep. But if the money uh, or the, the hosting costs are not the most important thing. And right now they aren't because thank you, Microsoft. Um, then, um, then actually this is very comfortable and very, it feels very like, uh, like a very elegant solution, even though it, it feels like a bit uh, wasteful regarding like, because this is like virtualizations upon virtualizations upon virtualizations, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. like we get virtual machines, like the lowest part of the thing is virtual machines on which run, uh, on which runs Kubernetes, Kubernetes on which runs Docker, run Docker containers on which in some cases run, runs a Java virtual machine <laughs> that runs the <laughs> Java code. Oh, because no. parts, parts of the, um, uh, event uh, Apache Kafka, for example, are written in Java. Yep. Um, yeah, but it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's um, it's that other stage of stuff, I guess, where these things become like Lego blocks, right? right. The more you understand them. Uh, it's interesting to me because I remember our uh, one of our podcast episodes quite a while ago now at the beginning of this season three i think where we discussed this sort of scaling and you were sort of saying at that point in time it was more important to to just beef up the single server stuff was on right right that is all like oftentimes the right answer but like, yes at yes. some point you're like okay now now it gets it gets silly to beef up an individual server yeah and and so i find that really quite fascinating and i'd love to to see that presentation if you give it anywhere else um in in, in the future i'm thinking um, about it i've just been invited to um the swift meetup munich uh in november or at the end of november but um i think i think i promised them a talk about vapor on swift on the server so i think i'm gonna have to prepare that one. <laughs> oh well um i'll definitely like so i'd definitely like to see uh the scaling presentation when you've got that all together because it's another side of this, right? Is that at different stages, different things are appropriate, and I think there's there's quite an important message there for anybody listening who has any server side sort of component, like going from naught to sixty straight off and going all in on this sort of distributed environment is probably the wrong call if you have no uh, no scale to be scaling for. Um, yeah. But then you've obviously reached these specific sort of inflection points where it's become a case of going, um, actually now is the time to to go here 
and then also then reaching other points where it's also then time to scale up in other ways. And I feel like this is also applicable to, let's say, app development. Yeah. Like, of course, the, the inflection points are at different uh, stages. And also the things that you actually need to do um, are are different. But for example, introducing, oh, excuse me, and for example, introducing uh, unit testing. Yes. For example, introducing um, like various layers or architectural features, stuff like that, or maybe a, a like a CI build pipeline. Yes. And um, or- um, if you if you start up like with all these things, you just get a get a lot of administration, and you have like four weeks of work before you even started working on your actual app. Yes. And so that's a bad idea. You want to start with the actual app, just upload it to the app store using the Xcode uploader and like release a test flight and see if people are actually using the thing. Yes. And then, then you get up, you get to a point where you feel a distinct need or a distinct pain <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, okay, now we need a build pipeline, for example. Yeah. Uh, we need to build this on, let's say, GitHub Actions or like Jenkins or Fastlane or whatever. Yep. And uh, Bitrise is good, by the way. I like, they're not a sponsor, but uh, I've used Bitrise a lot and it's amazing and cool. Yes, yeah, I'm. Um, so, yeah, like, um, and I've always tried to like let myself be driven by these by these points where like, okay, now the seesaw kind of swings in the other direction. So now is a good, good time to do this. And I think that's a pretty good idea for, for most, most developments. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Daniel, on that note, I'm going to have to do my running off thing because it's the start of my day. And it's the end of mine. Okay. So before we go, Daniel, where can people find you online? Okay, um, you can find me on Twitter at, at BreakTheSystem. You can find me at, on Mastodon at BreakTheSystem at mstdn.io. Yep. And you can find Telemetry Deck at telemetrydeck.com. Awesome. What about you? Yeah, for me, uh, so I'm going to lead with Mastodon, given that's where my head's at at the moment. Um, but you can add me there at david gary wood at social.davidgarrywood.com and i'll link it in the show notes because it's a bit of a mouthful um awesome yeah and then beyond that if you want to check anything else out about me there is davidgarrywood.com or check out my app at govjapp.com all right i think that's the show uh we need to say goodbye we need to say goodbye oh my god (laughs) <laughs> David, it has been amazing. I, I was kind of waiting for you to say something, but anyway, uh, this has been amazing. <laughs> Today, we've been a bit more critical, crit- critical of things, but uh, that's, that can be cathartic too, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, have a wonderful day, and I hope to hear you soon again. Thanks a lot, Daniel. Catch you later. All right, bye. Bye.